You're listening to the Ecological Podcast, all about our positive partnerships with horses and other animals through work and play. Your hosts are Rebecca Bayliss from Little Green Stables and Kate Blackmore from Ecological Positive Partnerships. Did you know, Becky, that we have a (laughs) Patreon site? Do we, Kate? We do! Oh, I love our Patreon site. I may be a little bit biased, but I think it's pretty awesome. Frickin' awesome! (laughs) So do you know what kind of content we have in there? Tell us. Go on, I'll tell you. So we have Forage Fridays, Muscle Mondays. We have all the sessions that you have with Trudy recorded and on there. All the behind the scenes stuff. The visits that I go do, for example, working with feral donkeys and how we get around that. All our workarounds, warts and all. Yeah. It's all there. Behaviour. Behaviour. We have forage. We have different species that we work with. We have... Fun little videos that we create on how to make herbal teas and stuff. Yeah, we have anatomy. We have enrichment ideas. Oh, there's tons. There is tons. There's lots and lots. And anybody that we interview as well, that goes on Patreon, doesn't it? Because you actually get to see their face. Yeah. On Zoom. Yeah. yeah. So our Shauna videos on there. Yeah. Absolutely. Our Heather Moffat one. Jesse Samson, Dr. Did you Emily Kisson is going on there. <laughs> <laughs> you just go to the top of the Patreon page and you can just search by the categories. So you can have training or targeting or stationary targeting. Loading. Loading. Loads of different stuff on there. It is only £8.33 a month. Yeah, for our Patreon site, which I think for the amount of content we get is great. And we have such a lovely group of patrons, but we want more people over, don't we? We We want to get the discussion started more. We do. And also our patrons will always get exclusive first choice to the events that we are holding and our CPD days. And they're in there too, actually, aren't they? They are. They are. We've got feature-length movies about feet and, and gut, gut biomes. Yeah, I know. Very so good. much content. So how can we get on... How can you find us on Patreon? Well, what you can do is just search for Little Green Stables and you will find it. And often, with our social media posts, we're linking into that Patreon site. So you can just find one of our social media posts too. Or just Google Patreon Little Green Stables. Hello, everybody. We are on our last podcast for this season, podcast number 82. We're nearly at the 100 mark. And today, for our last um, podcast of the season, we are joined by the fabulous Louise Napthine. And Louise is from Why Do Horses? Why Do Horses? Wow, we've got loads and loads and loads of questions. Um, You can find Louise on Facebook, you can find Louise on Twitter, and you can find Louise on Instagram. And if you want to have a look at her website, obviously go and check that out too. And that will be Why Do Horses. But Louise is going to introduce herself as well and tell us all about her and her qualifications and what she does and what she's up to. And then we're going to go into our podcast for you guys today. So Louise, welcome. Hi. So this is really exciting for me. This is literally the first podcast I've ever done. So, um, yeah. Wow. Um, 
So about me, um, so my academic background is in horses. Um, I started off, actually, I did an HND, which was really brilliant. I got loads of practical experience from that. I then went on to top up to a degree in equine studies, um, later went on to do a master's in equine health and welfare. Um, I am a qualified equestrian coach, so I did the UKCC qualification. And um, I got involved in Equus Scholars very recently. So I recently became a brand ambassador for Equus Scholars, which is really brilliant. Um, it fits with my ethos completely because of its focus in on behaviour and welfare. Um, I really love coaching children. I coach adults as well, but um, I, I really f love working with children and young people. Um, what else would you like to know? You like, you like to write. You're a good writer as well, Louise. I like. I love writing. Yeah. I'm rubbish at maths. I'm like got in fear of numbers, but letters I love. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love writing. I've done a couple of magazine articles, um, mainly on behaviour and welfare. Um, and I write up scientific studies on my Facebook post for on my Facebook page. And I um, every now and again, I write up a scientific study, which I really enjoy doing. In fact, I've had this paper that we're going to talk about. I've had it for a while and um, I've been thinking about how to write it up. So this is a really cool introduction to that. Yeah, this is awesome. So um, we were just chatting the other day, weren't we, Louise? And I was like, oh, that would make a really good podcast. We should talk about that. And actually, we're kind of going back. It's quite nice because we're linking back to when we very first started this podcast. Um, I think our second, no, our third and fourth episodes were about enrichment. Mm -hmm. And it's quite mm -hmm. nice because I feel like we're moving a little bit on from that with this study that you're going to be talking about today. So I'm really excited about that. It's nice. Mm -hmm. it's like we've, we've come full circle. And Kate loves a study. And I love a study. Yeah. Always love a study. You love a study. Yeah. It's amazing. So let's let's go with it. Let's talk about the study. Let's let's tell people what the study is. Okay, I'm going to have to refer to my notes because there's no way I can remember this off the top of my head. We all have okay, the notes. I don't, I don't, I don't have notes. <laughs> You're and a real I pro. Have a, I have a pen during the podcast to write down when a question comes up because I will forget it. If someone's talking, I'll be like, oh. Yeah. yeah. So or or just worry. a word, actually. Sometimes it's just a word, yeah. Louise, because their mind goes yeah. blank. I've got a mechanical pencil. I've got really got into mechanical pencils recently. They're brilliant. I love stationery and these are ace. It's like a never-ending pencil <laughs> where you don't have to sharpen it and then you can reload it with more lead when you run out of lead. Oh, okay. cool. So, Genius. I kind of feel like environmentally friendly. I don't know. There's probably a load of rubbish, but I feel like that. Well, Are you being right. sponsored by the mechanical pencil people? He's <laughs> 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 brand ambassador for the mechanical pencils as well. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's, yes. Yeah, so over to you, Louise. Okay. So the study is called Housing Horses. Sorry, let me start that again and pronounce <laughs> the word properly. Housing horses in individual boxes is a challenge with regard to welfare. So probably not something new to us, but the details of the study are really interesting. Yeah. So the study, I believe, was nine months long. 
Um, it included 187 horses, um, a mixture of geldings, mares and stallions. So there were 127 geldings, 53 mares and seven stallions. They were aged four to 20 years. They were all warm blood horses of related lines. So I think this was carried out at a stud. Um, And they were all restrictively housed during the study. So they were in individual boxes in four distinct barns. And the boxes were um, measured nine metres squared um, on average. Um, They were cleaned out six mornings out of seven. So I think that's something we should talk about as well, Um, because I think that's also an interesting aspect. Um, The horses had no access to pasture or paddock. So this study is slightly different to some other studies because often horses have turnout of some degree. But these horses had no turnout at all. For the whole nine months? I believe that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Louise didn't do the. No, I'm not taking it out. Just warning. Just amazes me how these this even is allowed. But anyway, go on. Yeah. Yeah, But you think about it, like there's normal practice for a lot of people. Oh yeah. Okay. Go on. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, the management factors that the researchers looked at. Um, they called these categorical values. Um, sorry, let me start again. Categorical variables. Um, so whether the horses had a window to the external environment, a grilled window between two boxes, what, what their bedding material was, whether that was straw or non-straw, concentrate feeds per day. They either had three or four concentrate feeds in a day. The discipline that the horses were training in, whether that was eventing, dressage, jumping or other. And they say they didn't um, where it was other. um, They didn't record what it was. So it's just other Um, level of performance, whether it was amateur, professional or expert. And then other management factors, they called these continual continuous variables um, was quantity of feed ration. So kilograms per day number of competition events that occurred during the study and how many hours riding horses had per week and also whether they had lunging and walking in a horse walker per week now well, I thought um I mean I can give you the values for that but I thought what was particularly interesting was actually when it comes to lunging and walking in the horse walker um, I think the mean was 1.9 hours per week, so it's really hardly anything mm. aside from being ridden. Um, other factors, um, their, the horse's water was ad-libbed from an automatic drinker and their hay, they had nine kilograms of hay per day and two meals. So that was regardless of their individual requirements. It was a standard nine kilos. Um, so the observations, they took observations. There was a single observer who was experienced in equine ethology. They used scan sampling, which I believe is where they just take a scan of all of the horses. Um, they, and the observer does this by walking around um, the facilities. So they walked regularly in front of the individual boxes at least 1.5 metres from the door. Um, and um, with the observer making as little noise as possible. They observed them for three seconds before writing down if the animal displayed one of the behavioural indicators. Um, And the observations were equally distributed um, across the day from 9am to 4.30pm. 
the average number of scans per horse was 200, give or take 18. And each horse, yeah, so that's that's another reason why I believe that it's a nine-month study. It, it mentions in one place that it's a nine-month study, and then 200 observations per horse, that's going to be, that's going to take a while, so. Yeah. Um, and each horse was observed five scans per day on 50 non-consecutive days. Um, the behaviour indicators that they recorded were stereotypic behaviours, aggressiveness towards humans, a withdrawn position or an alert position. And the study results, um, they found... Sorry. Yeah. So they didn't. Um, so like no interaction, nothing they didn't record. So. Um, sorry, go on. So when the observer was outside, if they showed no interest in that observer, was yeah. that recorded? Yeah. So I believe that would be the withdrawn position. OK. Um, in fact, I can tell you what the withdrawn position looked like because they do give a description of that. Hang on. Um, so withdrawn position was neck horizontal at same level as back, fixed stare, ears and head static. Okay. Okay, cool. So like spaced like, out, shut down, kind of. Yeah, yeah. shut down. Yeah. Um, and then the alert position was an elevated neck with ears pricked forward, looking intensely at the environment. Mm, okay. What did they call that? Um, an alert position? Alert position. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool right got it cool so among the um housing and management factors they observed most did not significantly affect the welfare state of the horses so of all the things that they were well that they were observing most of them didn't have any effect there were three factors that did have a beneficial effect, um, but they were limited. Okay. Um, so straw bedding, a window opening onto the external environment and reduced quantity of concentrate feed. And they yeah. were linked with specific behaviours. Yeah. Probably the, probably the most depressing factor of the whole study is the longer the horses lived in individual boxes, the more likely they were to express persistent unresponsiveness to the environment. Hmm. So, yeah. which is understandable. Yeah. But, um, it's sad. Yeah. It's like one of those awful, awful discoveries of children's orphanages in, um, you know, well, I don't know, even in the 60s and 70s and 80s, hmm. where children were in cots for six years you know yeah. it's like that yeah and they just they just yeah. just withdraw they just can't just yeah. patients gone they've done all those pathways all those near pathways you know if we don't use them we lose them I don't know what age that, yeah. that happens with horses but um, in humans I know that in babies it's um, like one of the worst things that can happen is mm. not getting what was that program there was a program on this girl that was in an orphanage oh it was um it was a date that um it was dating on the spectrum <laughs> oh, i don't watch that anyway, she had no interaction or anything no. so she um they believed that she developed these traits because no one interacted with her mm. as a baby like well they there is um i know with humans there's that thought that 
you know, we have um, neglect is the worst form because yeah. even if it's abuse, it is interaction, but neglect, yeah. is, that's when yeah. stuff dies. That's when stuff goes and it, yeah. it doesn't come back. And with children, I think it's if they don't learn to speak by the age of seven because of death. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, they won't. That pathway's gone. You've, yeah, you've gone. So it's interesting yeah. what that is in our, in other animals. I I don't know, but um, yeah, that's so, really sad. So really sad study. It is a very sad study. Um, so let's go back to the straw bed. So what yep. did they find out about the straw beds? What was the results of that? What when they okay. that they interacted with it more or rolled or. I can yeah one thing that they found which I thought was really interesting which I haven't heard documented in other studies is that the straw bed reduced aggressiveness towards humans um which I thought was particularly interesting do you think they might have eaten um, the straw bed I'm Not just going to find the bit on the paper where it's um, I'm just wondering whether that might have reduced the aggression because they were eating they're them. eating and chewing yeah and... I don't know um, yeah. Hang on, sorry. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I'll find the information. Horses eat their their straw. straw bedding. I know a lot of people don't have straw because their horses will eat it, so they um, use shavings. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you no, kind we of use, use um, Miss Canvas. Canvas. I can't say which it. Is, I never say it right. I just say Miss Canvas. But it's great. It's like they call it not... elephant's grass or something, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's much more absorbent, but it is expensive. Yeah, yeah, it is. But but your guys don't have individual stables like that, so it's kind of different. I mean, you know, if they were on box rest, they do, but it's rare, isn't it? Your guys generally are all in the barn and there's a scattering of bedding. It's different and the sand pit and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. What have I've you got? got? It. What have you got? <laughs> um, it says... Um, indeed, horses kept on straw express less aggressiveness compared to those on a non-straw bedding, which we know. Several studies have also focused on the choice of bedding material, suggesting that the straw bedding facilitates lying down, exploration and food intake behaviours. So kind of what we thought, really. It's like yeah. some of those, you know, needs being met, isn't it? Through that, just that straw yeah. bed. So yeah. did they... It also... Sorry, go on. No, no go on, Louise. I... I was, all, I was just going to say that um, the study mentions that um, bedding type also influences the welfare of other species as well. Um, so it mentions sheep, I know, um, sheep, pig, cattle as well. There have been studies done. Oh, wow. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is, isn't it? And it's quite a, um, I remember when I was taught whether this was right or wrong, um, when I was doing my behaviour that there was a specific preference in in bedding to give like keeping it in straw is they recommended straw as being the best for um from a behavioral perspective um is like the more natural the possible and then they said um shavings and newspaper which I always remember so that's interesting why they said straw first must be hmm because um, of that yeah and they had no enrichment toys at all during this nine months no, it was literally just the factors. Um, let me go back to it. Um, so whether they had an external window, a grilled window, what their bedding material was, um, their number of concentrate feed per day. So that is literally kind of what it was. Um, and did they find that the, the view had the most effect? Like, 
having a, a better view a outside, room with a view a room with the view a visual yeah. horizon so they found that having an external window influenced the aggressiveness as well towards humans um increased so, it or decreased it i believe decreased it um i'm just going to find the bit in the study which talks about that um a lot of the yards i go to when they have individual turnout but one of the yards I go to, they're all lovely people, but the horses are never, never groom another horse or anything, which is a shame, but they all have a room with a view. They all look over the, the um, yard, they all look over the arena. And I just think that if you're going to have that constraint of livery where they're not in paddocks together, then at least they've got a room with a view. But then I kind of think, is that torturous? <laughs> You yeah, know, it's kind yeah. of as that, oh, there you can see that, there. but you can't get it. Well, look at that, your mate over there, but you can't touch them. I don't know. It's so difficult, isn't it, to have that, um, to know whether, I was chatting to a lady the other day and her horse has got a fracture in its head from a kick from a horse um, at livery. And she was like, I just don't want my horse ever, ever put out with another horse ever again and it's like so sad isn't it but you can see yeah. her I can see why because her horse has got a fractured jaw but but at the same time but it's, so, like, sad. But it's oh. so sad in those situations because you know we know there's been studies done and compared <clears throat> two groups of horses and actually the longer turnout you give them the less mm. incidents well, there it's, are it's, it's, incidents again because... it's you know the accident happened but it's our management that made it happen yeah the thing, isn't it? the shorter the amount of time they think that they have to fit in all those behaviors yeah. into that short amount of window so you get a lot more like running around mm. and stuff mm. and whereas the ones that are turned out more often generally just graze and do stuff because they don't mm. really need to kind of go oh my god i gotta get it all done get it all out yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I found it now. It says, um, hang on, the presence of in the box of a window opening towards external environment that allowed the horses to look outside and see other horses seemed to influence the expression of aggressiveness according to two separate analysis. It was consistent with previous findings suggesting that this factor could help reduce frustration, which is sometimes um, expressed through aggressive behaviours towards humans yeah um so yeah um and oh the other um the the influence of the quantity of concentrate feed was related to the expression of oral, oral stereotypes so i think that that's been documented in a number of studies so that doesn't really come as a surprise and i expect they'll they'll be giving it it is that bucket as well that they give it in the way that the food's mm. presented yeah isn't it, that can yeah. Louise, what was the point of this study? Like, who dreamt this up? Let's keep however many 20 odd horses in a in stables <laughs> for nine months and Come let's on, just Louise. watch them, <laughs> you know, melt down and regress and shut down and, you know, and then create all these stereotypes. What is the, what was the, who dreamt that up? And what was the. So point? I think these horses are living at a stud that's what i understand they were all warm blood horses and what, they what, were what all area was, of it? The, was it Belgium? Um, this was in france, france. um oh. let me see um i think 
uh, I can't find the exact location, but it was in France. Um, all of the horses were from similar bloodlines, so they weren't the researchers weren't able to investigate the effect of um, different bloodlines. Um, so I believe that it was at a stud in France. And so rather than gathering together the horses for the purpose of the study, they were investigating horses in a management environment. I think the results of the study were I get the impression that they were not really what the um, what the researchers were expecting to find because um, at one point let me um, yeah where it says the aim of the study um, it was to target specific individual horses and environment factors relating to housing and management practices. Um, so that they could isolate what factors would influence welfare. And I get the impression there was the expectation that they were going to find more positive results from the interaction of the um, management factors than they actually did. Mm. Um, um, let me see. Yeah, it says highlighting these facilities or management practices could lead to recommendations that would allow owners to take effective action to preserve the welfare of horses while continuing to use this housing system. So I imagine it's kind of linked to, say, horses on box rest, where actually owners are having to think about um, the environment that they're creating for their horse. Mm -hmm. there, is, there is some positives that come out of this study. Oh, um, like positive. So... It finished um, up. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that the research so the researchers um, say that um, obviously free free exercise interactions with conspecifics and fiber consumption as often as possible are really important for welfare in terms of I mean the reason I had this study for a while, and I just thought, gosh, this is a depressing study. I don't know how to write this up because I, I run enrichment workshops yeah. and I've always said to people, you know, enrichment is really powerful for horses, particularly in certain um, situations, like if they're on box rest and stuff. And I was just like, blimey, what if, you know, what if all we're doing to kind of influence the welfare of horses in restricted management systems actually amounts to nothing what you know what am i going to say to these people and but there is a gem in the study let me find it that says hang on let me rifle through That's the okay, many pages um i may Ah, it says when turnout is impossible, um, so for example, horses on box rest, an enriched environment with diversity in food, sensory sim stimulations and contact with conspecifics um, positively influences the impact on welfare state. So I think actually for horses on box rest, it's not, it's not as awful as I first believed. I think there are things that we can do to make it better. So, so Lady, who Louise, you were here when Lady had her accident. Yes. Weren't you? Okay. So we were had Trudy's clinic, didn't we? And um yeah. and one of our liveries 
was running around and ran, caught her shoulder on the the gate latch. The gate latch and yeah. it literally went in and ripped. Like, I don't know how long was that? It, oh my God, it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. It's about 11 centimeters <laughs> yeah. wound, very deep. You could see, you see like three layers down. Three like when layers, she was walking, see, oh, all, all through God. the superficial muscles. It just pretty grim. But <clears throat> she is like, I can't believe how well she's done. And I can't believe, I, w- I was really concerned when I knew that we'd have to have her on box rest for a long time because she is, um, she's young, she's start. young yeah. and she is, um, you know, really like part of the herd and really mm. into things. She's not, and a confident, she's not a confident lady. Uh, but also she <clears throat> has that ability to show, have a little bit of aggression at times, mm. but that's because of a history that we've been working through. So I was really concerned, but I have to say all the students and stuff have been like getting different bits of forage um, we've put like b- different boxes of herbs so that she can choose what she wants. She, you know, they they interact with her. Um, she has like her companions that they can reach over the wall. And she has just like her, you saw her the other mm-hmm. day. Her, that cut looks amazing. The way it has <clears throat> healed, but also her behavior at the same time is just I'm sure it's down to that enrichment that she is, she's now going to be allowed mm-hmm. out with some more of the horses that she's, she's coped so well. I think there's a combination of things with Lady. I think um, with Conquest, it's a stimulating environment anyway. Yeah. So there's a lot mm-hmm. always going on. So she has got a, well, she's got a big room with a view. So she's got a, a 360 view, but there's always people in and out and things are always changing. So she's, and that hasn't changed. So that's stable. So it's been there before the injury and now. Yeah. Um, she has treatment twice a day on a wound with phototherapy. So she has red and blue light. So she's got attention from humans doing something positive. She's also sore. It's going to hurt. So actually that will restrict her wanting to be because she's healing you know she's healing so she's yeah and she's she will be in some um discomfort and probably a bit of pain as well um not in a bad you know but mm. she you know she's got a massive wound she's healing there's going to be she, the structures that are changing and things are changing she has had air at times when she's been very itchy on that wound you've got to be really careful with stuff like that but also yeah all the enrichment you bring so I think if you're going to have a horse on box rest for nine months send it to conquest because <laughs> it probably is the best place to be because you're kind of like in a you know she she's in this sort of kindergarten area but in a in one of those bubble balls where no one can hurt her you know so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she's got a lot on. of stimulation and uh, so i yeah. think that's really really helped but you know a lot of ligament damage you know the vets will prescribe nine to ten months sometimes more yeah and that's yeah. it and if you don't have yeah. a setup for it you know, you can, you can drive these horses stir crazy. And I have many clients, yeah. say, what the fuck am I going to do when I have to walk them out? Because we're going to explode. And that's a real yeah. problem. And so it's interesting that with this study, that they had that nine months in, but it wasn't box rest. It was just nine yeah, months Yeah, just life. Obviously, yeah, just life. But obviously they were ridden or they were lunged or they were in a walker. So I, from a physio sort of point of view would be interesting to know how that affects the physical body in the fact that 
we pull them out for exercise, we put them back in. We pull them out for this, we put them back in. Because from my point of view, the more movement the horse has, you can still pull them out of the field for exercise, you know, for whatever you want to do kind of thing. But it's not, it's not really great to have an animal that should be moving all the time. Yeah. Stood. Yeah. I recall. Muscle tone, you know, it's um, all sorts of stuff anyway. I, I recall a study, this was a while ago, and I might be incorrect about this, but I believe that there was a study done where they compared fitness in horses that were stabled um, without turnout versus horses that um, lived out. And I, I believe that the horses retained their fitness level for two weeks if they were turned out. Um, versus the horses in the stables lost their fitness level wow. um, fairly rapidly. Um, yes, I I hope mm. that's right. Mm. Hope, yeah, it's a while since I read that study, but that, that's what I believe to be right. And Louise, tell me what your thoughts are on stable toys. So what we see now is a lot of things mm-hmm. in the market and, um, and people just by maybe people that aren't a more traditional um, mm-hmm. who keep their horses stabled a bit more or whatever um, and they're getting these toys and kind of putting them in the stable mm-hmm. and stuff because I I did look at one um, study that was saying about uh, stable um, stable tools offer minimal enrichment yeah she can cause frustration in a lot of uh, cases and there's no kind of like biological significance to change when they've got yeah that toy in there yeah what do you what's your what's your take on it on toys i've read i've read a similar thing quite a while ago i wrote an article for a magazine on play behavior in horses and uh that's on my website actually which is whydohorses.com um i've read it and it's really good i haven't read it what magazine was it in it was in everything horse i love that it's great (laughs) (laughs) and um so horses do play throughout their lives um and it's more play is more prevalent in younger horses so i think play is an important feature but i think we can't replace the three f's so friends forage freedom we can't replace that with toys so if horses are having access to toys in addition to getting their fundamental needs catered for then yes that's fine but if we're putting in toys instead of saying giving multiple forages or putting in toys instead of turnout um, or access to other horses then I don't think that's really going to influence the welfare. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And actually, I did see that um, a certain product that's quite um, popular in the horse world, an enrichment toy, they they must have... Um, they must have paid for the study to be done <laughs> and they did it and seeing the the um effects on enrichment and basically it said just what you said it said this product may help but it has to be done in conjunction with all these yeah. different things yeah. and i think that's the bit that 
people are missing out on I think that I see I see so many people and they've got you know the competition horse and they go oh no but we've got a little ball and then the horse is like yeah. pouring at this ball like get really stressed yeah. out because it doesn't understand how to use it or how to work it and I think we can yeah. cause actually more frustration and more stress yeah if, especially if it's I mean, you know, there is that seeking behavior, isn't there, with 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 the ball mm-hmm. and the toys that come out, but it can also be quite aversive to just get that put in your stable and not know what it is. We had if you're um, used to novel items. Yeah. Years ago we had an ex-racer and he was physically and mentally broken. And I didn't know what I know mm-hmm. now. And he was in a stable and he used to, when he used to bring the feed out for him. And he, he had turnout too, but he would be in the stable uh, in muddy periods because um, I thought he didn't like the mud. Um, mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I'm not sure whether he did or he didn't, but back then I didn't think he liked it. Anyway, and I'd put him, I'd, I'd bring his food out and he would literally kick the stable as the food. He would, you know, we called mm-hmm. him, his name was Junior, but we called him Mad Dog. And um, I bought him in my naivety, one of those hanging licks. Oh, so it's a hanging yeah. horse with yeah. the licks in either side because yeah. I thought, oh, yeah. he loved that. Well, he absolutely turned into a biter. He just, he was, he tried to bite it. He couldn't get it to stand still because it was like moving all the time. It's like um, swing ball, isn't it? Mm. Do you remember that yeah. game, swing ball? Yeah. It's like that, yeah. with a nicket in him. And you just, I yeah. remember putting it in there thinking, bless it, it was like 40 quid. And I got a carrot for one, carrot lick for one side and an apple lick for the other. And I was all chuffed. And I watched him turn his stable <laughs> round and round and round. And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? I'm just, now I've cr- I, I'm, I've turned him into a monster because he's like, can't get that bloody licket, you know? And it was awful. Yeah. So I have experienced that. Did you a, take it out? Absolutely took it out. I've never used it since. It's I think. Gathering dust. But I do have a horse on my books with kissing spines at the moment. And she's severely, well, she was severely overweight. And so she was put on and I had a, discussion with the vet about this and I lost my discussion for want of a better word but um he so 500 kilo horse needed to lose 50 kilos Uh plus for surgery so he put that horse on one hay net a day gosh and it was weighed out and everything and she was starving Uh she was absolutely starving And she was angry. So now you've got hangry horse in pain, starving. Yeah. And I was like, she's in, she's not going out because she's in pain. And don't want to, you know, yeah. she's, she's starving. Did Ulcers. she lose the weight? Eventually. But Did it took a lot longer because yeah, it and actually stress. it took a lot longer. And actually, we did give her a hay ball and a and a um mm-hmm. Because she had she had nothing. It was awful. So there's a I and there is a bit of a difference when I'm talking about the balls. What I'm talking about is the ones that you put those little nuggets in. Yeah, not a hay ball. The so, hay balls. So are, she had a hay out. ball, yeah, yeah, so that she could move in her stable. Mare and foal stable in a livery. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, she lost a little bit, not a lot, about ten kilos over a good period of time, like three months, maybe four months. Mm-hmm. Maybe She's had the ligament snip because they had to go ahead with it. She's now in rehab. Yeah. And she's losing loads now because she's actually moving mm. and she's yeah. turning out. And the feet, the yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So going it, back to, sorry, I didn't mean no, to No, it's all right. You, you tell, because we'll go on. So <laughs> we'll <laughs> rant. So let me oh. rant. <laughs> and the bloody moment. Just, <laughs> going back to stable toys, one thing that I find concerning 
concerning is a lot of the kind of um, ones where you put in licks or you have it hanging, the horse has to grasp something, is they're really high in sugar or um, they might contain oats, so be quite high in energy. And so actually you're putting this into a horse's environment, basically giving them loads of energy um, and then also reducing turnout at the same time. And I think that must be a frustrating for the horse, but a bit of a recipe for disaster, really. Yeah, exactly. It's like feeding a toddler orange smarties, isn't it? But keeping them in a car seat for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It. Yeah. It's um, so I know because I did a lot of investigating into licks yes, and did. stuff because I was like, I want to make one that's not um, not got molasses in and not got, you know, mm-hmm. all the shite in it. It's really difficult because it seems that that sugar keeps it um, stuck like, together. Yeah, stuck well, together and shelf life, and, the shelf life. Yeah, yeah, and all of that. Because I tried. What did it? What did I make? Me and my brother. Leather, yeah. you so my brother's a chef, right? And I was like, right, Kipper. This got you know Kipper, Louise. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, so I want to make some. We're going to try this, and and I was like, so we need to make like some leather, but it needs a bit of stickiness. But we need to. And bless him, I picked the hawthorns, and he tried out all these different recipes in his oh. oven. <laughs> And then we tried it out on the horses and it wasn't because it didn't have all the sugar in. It didn't smell mm. like that sweet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we went back to the drawing board and I haven't actually gone back to that yet. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. It's very uh, like the McDonald's, isn't it? It's like when actually you want to be given the veg. And I think, I it, like I, you now, yeah, yeah I? I, a little bit. I think it's also individual. I think I, out of my six there there are a few that would definitely play with toys and there are a few mm-hmm. that ignore them and walk away might be a little bit scared of them finding yeah, a bit well, aversive and yeah and and you know and I think I think that um that has to be taken into consideration as well the play drive of the individual and how they play and also you can't really take away the their 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 natural need for interaction with their own species and and replace mm. the mirror and a lick can you it's also, not gonna fulfill it also it's, if you've got a horse that's stabled all the time like some won't even take any interest in it because that seeking system is working mm. at such a low rate mm. that it's just yeah you know, it's a bit like the target with a shut down horse and they yeah. just don't go to touch it naturally yeah um so um, actually how effective are they with horses one one point from the study actually was that the researchers found that although there was no um statistically significant effect they did find that their statistics showed a decrease in the expression of the alert position along with an increase of the expression of the unresponsiveness over time Mm. um so it's kind of maybe like a kind of um what do you call it a spectrum perhaps of kind of yeah and I'm just wondering with because there was a reduction in with the straw I just 
going back in stereotypies. Is that right? Did they see a um, no? The stereotypies was the effect of the concentrate feed was oh, okay. related to the expression of oral stereotypies. I wonder if I I don't know if a study has ever been done on this, but looking at you know kind of like high sugar licks or um, um, licks that contain concentrates, whether they also have an effect on oral stereotypes. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. Um, because how much of the stereotypy comes from like what it's triggered by as well. So, you know, we were talking about the feed bowl, like that the presentation of the food can actually trigger the yeah. stereotypy than the actual mm. food itself. So um, I also wonder if they had like as much forage as they want that they can search through plus that bowl, would we also see a reduction in those stereotypies? You know? Yeah. Same I with if there was a lick, I think it would have to be if there was just a lick. I think it, mm -hmm. I don't know if they'd recognize, I don't know. That's really interesting. And I don't know. What like about know the that. whole let's um, muck out six days a week, but not seven? Oh, yeah. Out? I know. I know. Really on a Have a day off on a Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> on a Sunday. Roll in your own line, your own piss and shit. That's fine. Because it's our day off. I know. And there was, I, um, I, yeah, it's just weird that. I wondered how much that influenced the horse's behaviour as well, whether actually having the accumulation of muck um, actually influenced their kind of, I don't know, their expression of behaviour. Because obviously in a free-ranging environment, horses will defecate and urinate far from where they eat and actually so having a build-up of muck um might negatively affect the the state of the horses as well i don't know it was just when i read that that was something that sprung to mind yeah it's interesting isn't it and also i thought from a heat perspective because we've had quite a sort of a mini heat wave haven't we in the uk mm -hmm. and there there has been uh, on online there's been a couple of posts saying make sure you are skipping out your bedding because mm. if your horses are stabled that that uh, the methane and everything you know all the chemicals that, mm -hmm. and it's damaging mm -hmm. it's damaging for your body and i just think yeah my yeah. horses don't don't eat anywhere near, they have pee and poo areas and they don't eat anywhere near those and sleep areas and they don't Mm -hmm. anywhere near those so yeah really I remember really... I remember reading somewhere mm -hmm. I don't know many many years ago and it could be wrong but um that by the if you can smell the pee in your horse's stable it's already 10 times like stronger for the horse like mm -hmm. already doing them some mm -hmm. damage from the ammonia and stuff mm -hmm. yeah definitely mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah I um anecdotally I found with my horse um quite a while ago when because I yeah I used to have him stabled um well when I couldn't have him turned out at that point so I had him on um well he was turned out during the day and in at night but anyway I found when I moved his water bucket that he weed in a different part of the stable and so that interested me. And I don't know whether it was just him or whether actually the position of, say, where we put our feed 
influences where the horse will then defecate or where we put the water, where they will urinate. I don't know. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it is. And actually, I think that there must be something in that because obviously they have this written in them, in their script, their DNA, their everything to, mm-hmm. to defecate away from where they, they just know that, don't they? It's an innate behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm, is it an innate behavior because there's a difference between innate and in well anyway you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. and um so I I expect that that does have a massive oh my god this just makes me want to do and also the difference between a neat bed and a messy bed so going back to mad dog he had a neat bed but he was a Mm -hmm. racehorse so he'd always been stabled he was used to it so when I Mm -hmm. put my cob flan in a stable flan would um would never lay down I never found sawdust Mm -hmm. on his on him and his bed would be a mess and I would just go oh he's just messy in his stable thinking actually he probably just is stressed in his stable and not you know moving around a lot because he's dressed out the window he's churning up the bed he's pooing and churning it up yeah again he doesn't churn it up in the field yet Mm -hmm. mad dog he would he you could see almost the the um you know, when somebody dies and they draw around them in the, in the, oh, yeah. in the programs, you could almost see his outline in the in the sawdust because he was institutionalized. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he saw his bed, he pooed yeah. in, one, in one corner, he led down and he led down and his head was the other end. Yeah. You know, and that was how it was. Mm-hmm. He was institutionalized yeah. to hear it, you know, he would guard it definitely. But um, yeah. yeah, just so, so interesting. It's, it's um, when you hear people say, oh, they're messy and they're stable, you kind of think, yeah but I also think that that really goes back to like you know we can make these kind of statements that are Mm. quite wide reaching on scientific papers on research that's done but also you know every horse is an individual and it is different for them all like you wouldn't yeah mad dog you wouldn't just go hey here's freedom just go and have freedom because mad dog would probably have an absolute meltdown yeah. freedom yeah. um not that it's right I mean you can there are ways that you could help mad dog mm. over time it felt to us I mean bless him he's dead slow now process it felt to us that he loved his stable that's how you know and you hear people say that don't they you, they yeah. love their stable and he yeah you know it that's how it felt but it's that's is it that Stockholm yeah 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 absolutely yeah a while ago a while ago I also wrote another article called understanding stable stress again on my website um and one interest so i had comments from because it was a study done by at nottingham trent university looking at different housing systems um and one of the researchers dr carol hall gave me some comments and one thing that she said is some horses are so used to un, um so used to not having turnout that they actually they don't learn to behave like a horse and I thought that was really interesting um because in fact I was telling somebody just yesterday um I remember a a horse at one of the yards that I was at previously that when the horse was turned out he was more stressed being turned out than he was in his stable because he just didn't know how to behave 
as a horse during turnout. So, in fact, he spent most of his life in his stable because he was far less stressed in that scenario, which is really sad. Mm, it is. And I, do you know what, Louise? I've seen that a lot. I've seen a lot of horses that don't know how to horse. That's what we say. Um, they don't. Yeah. You yeah. put them out the phone, you're like, oh, God, they really don't know what they're doing. Mm. They have no idea. You know, they, they can't pick up on the social cues and stuff. They just have no idea. And it is really sad because it's like, well, how do we, how do we help them? Because even though they want to be in the state, that's where they feel safe. There's also that whole, it's not good for them, like physically, yeah. mentally, you know, so how do we, um, how do we do that slowly so that it, yeah. you know, how do we teach this horse to be a horse, basically? I've had horses that don't know how to forage. Which is really interesting. But do they not know how to forage, or is that because their seeking system is working at such a low rate? I don't know. They, they I know when don't show interest. When Rum came from Spain, I put loads of because we put him in. He arrived eleven thirty at night as a stallion, so I put he had the big stable, and I put loads of forage in there. He had no idea what to do with trees or anything. It I had to he teach him. He could have been really stressed though as well. No, but that first night he didn't. And I get that. He didn't do anything. I don't think apart from stare out the window, like completely shell-shocked. But during the first few weeks, I had to literally grab bits of tree and go, here you go, have this. Do you know what I mean? He had no, mm-hmm. yeah. he had no concept of it at all. I mean, that isn't, yeah. you know, it, it's all there now, but I literally had to say, and I don't know how he was kept. I know when he was, they were prepping him to sell, he would have been kept in. From the videos but, that I saw <clears throat> of him over mm. there, I doubt very much he would have had any turnout. Turnout. No. <laughs> they, did say, they did say he would never have probably seen grass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another aspect of the study that we looked at, um, the age of the horse and the unresponsive to the unresponsiveness to the environment was linked. The majority of the horses in the study were bought as three-year-olds and lived in that environment their entire lives. So there are 20-year-olds in the study that have spent, what, 17 years in that environment. Wow. And, it's yeah. a bit difficult, isn't it, that study? Because it is all from the same bloodline and stuff. I'd like to see them do yeah. a wider one. But I quite like that. Yeah. I quite like the fact that it's from the same bloodline because I think it gives you, because it, there's always so many variables with studies, isn't there? It's like, they could be, it could be different, but who they're paired next to, like you said, with the grilled windows versus the open windows. Yeah. The people, you know, it's, it's Kate's day to turn you out today, to muck out today. And, you know, she's a bit angsty as where Becky's a little bit hyper, you know, whatever, I'm joking. Mm. But you know what I mean? There's so many variables. <laughs> you like, she's you the know, cool one. Yeah. It's windy today <laughs> as where it's sunny tomorrow. You know, you can't, you can't, there's so many variables. So the fact that the, yeah. blue, the bloodlines are similar, I actually quite like, but then you'd need to do another study with all different bloodlines. Yeah, or different and, breeds. and yeah. ones that have been turned out. Yeah, as but well actually you don't ever want to yeah. do this study again, really. No, no, no. But they will need to. Yeah. But that's the thing with these studies is we need them because when people say to us, why do I need to enrich my horse's environment? And mm. think that we're all mad. We go, well, actually, science. What Gone. I'd really love to see is if they repeated the similar study with, because obviously these horses are still undergoing this management situation. If they went back to the same stud and put in the enrichment they suggest and then redid their observations yeah. um, to see whether actually by putting in things like multiple forages 
um, maybe buddy visits from another horse. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think um, different sensory stimulations. And um, yeah, whether actually by giving the enriched environment that they suggest, whether in this in this situation, whether they've got withdrawn and shut down horses, whether actually um, it positively influences their welfare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, Louise, on your website, I know that you do a lot about enrichment, don't you? Do you should we yep. just talk about what you've got on there? Because I think it's a great resource for people to be going to and having a look at, plus mm-hmm. all the articles and stuff. But yeah, so just yep. tell us a bit about your enrichment area on your website. Um, so I run enrichment workshops where I go out to people's yards and work with small groups. It's brilliant doing it in a yard environment because you have a group of people that know each other and they can work together to, um, to come up with, um, even like specifically an enrichment program for their own horse, but also as a yard together. Um, and so that's called the happy horse workshop. Um, and I have articles on my website. Um, I try and focus, I'm really interested in enrichment. So I really try and focus on the scientific study of enrichment. Um, and as I mentioned before, on my Facebook page, I post about different enrichment studies, mm-hmm. um, as well as other just general bits and bobs, really. Yeah. Uh, what else yeah. would you like to know? No, well, that's fantastic because I really want people to go and check out your website and look at all your enrichment stuff. Oh, I I write... I write in individual enrichment plans as well. So I'm based in Berkshire and I tend to visit Berkshire and surrounding counties. Um, and I also write in individual rich enrichment plans, which I call behavioral wellbeing plans. So for horses on restricted turnout or box rest, anything really, um, then I write online those plans. Consults? Um, potentially I like to see the horse and like to see the horse's environment um, for myself. Um, I think I could, I'd certainly discuss it. I definitely would discuss you're it. open to it. I am open to that idea. Because I think yeah. that for people who's, I think, you know, for a lot, well, the study that we talked about today, obviously those horses have been in prison forever, but, and it's horrible, but for a lot of people whose horses have a, a, a mixed turnout. So they're te- like, for example, at mm-hmm. the moment, in, in the day, out at night, to then have an injury and be given that six weeks test or 12 weeks or four months or six weeks or whatever from the vet. You know, I've had clients phone me up and go, this is undo. I can't do this. I can't, my horse will not cope. What do I do? And well, what you do is you go to Louise. Exactly. That's (laughs) brilliant. I love it. That's, that is exactly what you should be doing. And I think it's really important because I try and provide a little bit, but that's not my job. My job is there to help the horse mm-hmm. physically get better, but the mental side of it is huge. So if that yeah. horse is mentally struggling, physically it's going to struggle, yeah. go hand in yeah. hand. But also yeah. that, that real struggle when we know next week you can walk your horse out for five minutes in hand. <laughs> and yeah. then, everyone dreads yeah. it. Oh my God. And they're die. going fuck I am gonna lose a limb uh, they're gonna catapult out that you know we're gonna gallop across the yard and slip you know all these things manifest in it yeah know? and so help with that it's just so needed yeah 
good yeah I think as well one thing my friend Ivan um mentioned as well because I wrote an enrichment plan for when her horse was on box rest and um she said that it helped her as well by having things that she could implement for her horse Mm -hmm. um actually helped her feel more in control of the situation so I think it's good for owners as well yeah because it's just kind of used taken out of your hands isn't it yeah yeah and I think also there is a sense of um real anxiety about at the end of that period is my horse going to be my horse that it was before and a lot of the times it's a game changer so it can mean retirement or it can mean that you can't do what you used to do with the horse if you were jumping you know 110 now you're going to be jumping 80 you know so there's a grieving period for a lot of clients and so giving them structure during that period other than you know cold hosing feed and muck out is actually means that they can up their level of care and like you say give them give them control but also manage that anxiety and and maybe maybe an insight into other things they can be doing because you can do a little bit of all sorts can't you in the you could learn body targeting while they're on box rest you could learn Mm -hmm. stuff so you it doesn't have to just be you know well let's bring some forage in it can be all sorts of enrichment but we would just caveat on that that obviously you have to be careful when training with horses that are in pain as well so i'm just gonna add yes but you know (laughs) yeah 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 I'm so another another aspect of enrichment is it's fun you know it's fun for horses and it's fun for owners and um so I mean that's really the reason why I really got involved in enrichment in the first place is yes the science is really interesting but it's just it's a fun topic to do a workshop on Mm, yeah yeah I bet well I think maybe you should come down here and do one little oh yeah with um you could do one with our guys we can yeah run, yeah we could run some and get everybody down that would be awesome wouldn't it yeah that would i'd be love, good. That. I love that idea yeah yeah i'd well, love that come idea. down anyway don't you because we've got to do our run oh yeah do you remember we talked about that on the podcast so we're gonna do um a couple are we of drinking round no, no, we talked a couple of weeks ago about it about getting about to do yeah go on Louise. pet directed speech Yes, that's right. Can yes. I just yeah, say that's though, right. We've got to do that. I have been using that. More. I knew what you meant then when you said that. <laughs> I know what you were talking so about. Right. Yeah, pet. <laughs> I've been using that more now that I know there's something behind it. I've been like consciously like going like Josh responds to it so well. Yeah, but Josh is like, very... how can you get him to move? I was like, literally, just to be but like, he's just, he's got a really go. high play drive too, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it's so interesting, and, and actually, I do it with um Sage and Dottie now, and they really, it's it's really good. I'm going to start bringing that into my training (laughs) gonna have people walking around talking in baby voices (laughs) but yes so we're gonna get you down for that as well so that's awesome so uh we're about to um I'm worried that this is going to cut out on us now because we're coming up to time limit so Mm -hmm. lots more I want to talk to you about Louise so we're going to get you back on and we're going to get you down here for a day because I know that people would like to talk to you about this Thank you yep. so much for coming on today. Thank we you. Really Louise. appreciate it. And we'll just say that uh, we'll put all your details in the write up. 
So everybody yep. have your Lovely. website and stuff. And obviously also you're on Xcom's brand ambassador doing amazing, amazing stuff. Um, and we're collaborating on some stuff as well, Louise, aren't we? So that's really exciting. Yep. So we'll, we'll have more to come out soon. Um, but thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Louise. Well, thanks. Thank you for giving me a first a fantastic time on my first podcast. You are awesome. You're so much better. My first podcast. My God. <laughs> my name is Kate Blackwell. And uh, <laughs> she said literally wet herself before. <laughs> I, I get so nervous. I get so nervous. I was like, why are you just talking to me? No one's gonna listen. No, and all, yeah. <laughs> You're wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> Right, fantastic. So we're also going to say goodbye to our listeners. Yeah, we'll for be back a little in the while. autumn. Back in the autumn with some really exciting stuff, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, fantastic. Well, have a lovely summer, Louise. Thank you so you much. You too. All right, take Thank care. Thank you very much. You. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to make contact with either Kate or myself, you can contact us via Facebook. We are Little Green Stables or Ecological Positive Partnerships. Or you can check me out, Becky, on my website, www.littlegreenstables.com. We'd really like to make our podcast interactive. So if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss, then that would be great. So send us a message either via our website or via our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube channels. Thanks. Bye bye.